Good evening. Welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney, and I host this live weekly talk radio show and this live video broadcast every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. right here on Talk Radio NYC, where I have guests who discuss some of the most novel, challenging, and relevant issues that employers and business owners face during these trying times. And in the spirit of that purpose of my show, I would like to welcome tonight, very pleased to have as our guest, uh, Ms. Jennifer Brown, CEO and founder of Jennifer Brown Consulting. She's an author, a writer, a speaker. Uh, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. I'm so happy to be here with you. Great. I'm happy that you can make it as well. It's great to have you on tonight. I think we have a, an excellent topic that we can discuss. It's really relevant and timely, and especially in light of recent events. So it's great to have you here with us this evening. Thank you. I know, especially in light of recent events, well, I know we'll, we will unpack that together yes. and uh, hopefully give some good advice for uh, organizational leaders that might be listening to this and leaders of all kinds, because we are all leaders at some level and in some uh, in some context. I think that's right. I think we will. I think we'll give that same level of leadership and knowledge and insight to the audience who consists of as you mentioned, business leaders and also employers, employees, and everyone, as you pointed out, can be a leader, which we'll get into as well. So let me just uh, tell the audience a little bit about you by reading your bio, telling everyone your bio and let them know who we're speaking with this evening. Um, my guest tonight, as I mentioned, is Jennifer Brown, identifies as she, her. She is an award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, author, and diversity and inclusion expert who is deeply passionate about building more inclusive workplaces where more of us can feel welcomed, valued, respected, and heard. As the founder and CEO of Jennifer Brown Consulting, JBC, a certified women and LGBT-owned firm, Jennifer and her team design and execute inclusion strategies that have been implemented by some of the biggest companies and nonprofits in the world. <clears throat> she is also the best-selling author of two books, Inclusion, Diversity, the New Workplace, and The Will to Change, and further authored the book, How to Be an Inclusive Leader, Your Role in Creating Cultures of Belonging Where Everyone Can Thrive. Jennifer is a shortlist winner of the OWL Award and winner of the 2019 Nautilus Book Awards Business and Leadership category. She also recently co-authored a groundbreaking book on diversity, equity, and inclusion in society with thought leader and fellow best-selling author, Rohit Bargava. The book, Beyond Diversity, 12 Non-Obvious Ways to Build a More Inclusive World, is a 2022 Action Award Gold Medal winner in the Women BIPOC category, a Wall Street Journal bestseller, a 2022 Hermes Creative Awards Platinum winner, a 2022 Four Award Indies Awards finalist in the Multicultural category, and one of Inc. Magazine's 22 books to read or reread in 2022. The Jennifer's podcast, The Will to Change, is downloaded by nearly 15,000 listeners per month. Wow. And she is a sought-after keynote speaker and an expert for leading research institutions and business schools. She lives in New York City with her partner of over 20 years, Michelle. You can learn more at www.jenniferbrownspeaks.com. With that backdrop, Jennifer, I think it's great to go into our topic this evening, and then I'll ask you a few questions for discussion. So our topic tonight, folks, is pride all year round, embracing LGBTQ inclusion in the workplace. And you know, June is Pride Month, and it's time of year where we recognize, embrace, and celebrate our gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and queer fellow humans in all aspects of life. This is, a, this is an endeavor that should go on every month. But for many LGBTQ people, inclusion in the workplace remains a challenge. And how do employers ditch the quote-unquote tolerance approach and move towards embracing and recognizing their LGBTQ employees? What are some ways in which U.S. employers and corporate leaders can eradicate implicit bias and reinforce an inclusive and affirming workplace, whether through the use of language, communication, and action steps? And lastly, what is the changing role and responsibility of an inclusive employer towards all of its workers? whether LGBTQ, persons of color, women, the disabled, the other minority workers, when the courts and government fail to offer sufficient protections during these times of social upheaval. 
So I feel like this is a great topic for all that can relate tonight. I think our, our audience will learn a lot from our guests tonight. As I mentioned, Jennifer Brown, CEO, founder of Jennifer Brown Consulting. So with that, I want to get to our first question to you, Jennifer, if I may. Sure. All right, let's do it. Always love this part, you know, the discussion, the back and forth, hoping to share our people's insights. So the question, I, first question I have for you, Jennifer, is tell us a bit more about yourself. Mainly, how did your career first start out? And what prompted you to become an advocate for the inclusion in the workplace and to found Jennifer Brown Consulting? Well, thanks for asking, Eric. Um, sure. You know, it, the story makes the most sense in hindsight, as, as our stories often do. Yes. Uh, so I came to New York City in my 20s to be an opera singer. And um, I know a lot of people look at me when I walk on stage, I guess, in the pre-pandemic days. And, and now more and more as I return to the stages, people say, well, you don't look like an opera singer. <laughs> and that's, a, that's the first bias of, of many that we, we explore together, me and the audience. Um, but I am a, a small, petite, uh, white, blonde woman. Um, and so I did study opera and um, diligently practice. I got my master's in vocal performance. I had plans to be a career performer in opera and music theater. And um, unfortunately I injured my voice and couldn't really, you know, couldn't really sing long-term. I knew that the, the fact that this had happened and kept happening because I had several surgeries um, on my voice meant that I would really need to find another career. And I took what I knew how to do, which was be on stage and, and be courageous and, and, and creative in those moments of, of improvisation, as well as just performing what I knew and what I had studied. And I transitioned into the world of training and development, actually. Um, I didn't know that was a career, but I had some friends who'd parlayed their stage time and, and expertise into this new field. And um, I fell in love with the topic of leadership. Um, it felt so relevant, so personal to me. I was fascinated by organizations and how they, why and why they don't change, <laughs> how hard they yep. are to change, um, the role of leaders in that change. And I would subsequently get a second master's at Fordham University in organizational change and um, leadership and go on to hold some HR roles and then go out on my own and found Jennifer Brown Consulting. And um, over time, as I've been running my company now for almost 20 years, uh, being, you know, the DEI piece was always a piece of my life and my identity because I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community, but I had struggled with bringing my full self to my career, both, you know, first as a singer and wondering if I should be out. And then as a corporate person where a lot of people are still closeted, I mean, half of us are still closeted in the workplace, um, but that's a statistic from 2019. Wow. And then as an entrepreneur, we, I became woman uncertified and LGBT owned and certified and very proudly kind of put that on my website and on my business cards. And it helped me really, I think, step into the light about all of who I am. And it helped that I, you know, our firm is focused on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I could, I could sort of, you know, bring all these pieces together, align them, and I think be the most effective teacher, facilitator, messenger for the work um, because I'm able to be all of who I am now. Uh, but I definitely, definitely struggled throughout, as you heard in my story, with the voice, with the ability to tell the truth and be authentic. And, um, and that really hurt me, I think, in, my, in reaching my potential until I kind of aligned it. And that's what's happening in workplaces and has been happening in workplaces all over the world is it's not a place of authenticity. It is not a place where all of us is welcomed because it is such a, it's so molded in the, in an old way that I think is not, has not been updated and it's, you know, slowly happening because of the pandemic, but I, I would like it to happen a lot faster. Yeah. That's a great background story, Jennifer. Just, I appreciate you sharing with us your, your background there and experience. Um, it's interesting. You talked about the voice injury. I'm starting to hear about that happening, but the way you're able to recover from that, recuperate, and take, I guess, your passion and your drive and the skills and talents that you have, being in front of people, communicating, you know, speaking, and, and then pulling that into organizational change and leadership, um, it's very inspiring. I think it's great to hear that. I think a lot of times people have injuries that sideline their initial career, and then they have to find something else. But so that was an interesting piece I heard. I also heard about, you know, the whole like, sort of being your authentic self and feeling like almost like saying, you know, muted or, or, or stymied or not your full self if you're 
not out. And then, of course, the the concept that I think you said the, the statistic or so being 50 percent, you know, like the corporate work basic not being uh, open out about their uh, sexual orientation, um, you know, and for understandable reasons, which we we'll get into tonight. I think, you know, you talk about just reaching your potential and you are authentic. And I think everyone I've ever known who sort of became more in line with their authentic self, that's when they started to really blossom and flourish. And um, so I'm glad that it sounds like you've really hit your stride. Um, just by way of your bio, I read it out, out to the audience tonight and by way of your, your books and your, your company. So appreciate all that background. Um, I, um, I have a, another question that I want to ask you, of course. There's a few questions that go to you this evening. Um, let's see. And the question, I'm also about a minute shy of our first commercial break. I'm wondering if we can take that break a minute early and then get into our questions. I don't ask you a, a brand new question and then break in 45 seconds. Um, but I, I think if we can take that break, I will just note for the audience that you're listening to and watching Employment Law today, I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight is Ms. Jennifer Brown, CEO and founder of Jennifer Brown Consulting. When we come back, we'll talk more about some of the challenges and obstacles in the workplace that LGBTQ employees often face, uh, including the detrimental impact that obstacles pose for the employer and the employee. And we'll discuss ways to resolve some of these issues and to create a better, more inclusive workplace. So listening to uh, Employment Law today with Jennifer Brown, Stick around, folks. We'll be back very shortly. We'll be going to commercial break and back in a minute. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Today, once again, I'm your host, Eric Sauber, and my guest tonight is Ms. Jennifer Brown, CEO and founder of Jennifer Brown Consulting. She is an author, an activist, and DEI specialist, a leadership uh, trainer, and just all around great guest to have this evening. And um, Jennifer, my next question to you goes to our topic tonight, the topic being about LGBTQ inclusion in the workplace. And so my question to you is, what are some challenges and obstacles that LGBTQ employees often face in the workplace? And what detrimental impact do these obstacles present for both the employer and the employee? Yeah. Yes, there are continuing challenges for so many kinds of identities that are traditionally underrepresented in the workplace. And so we can really think about it 
mm. through that lens. Um, so I'll, I'll highlight though some particular to the LGBTQ plus community, but I, I do want to always say there's diversity within the diversity. You know, there, mm -hmm. there are both people of different gender identities and expressions. There are different sexual orientations. There's also different ethnicities. There are different abilities. Mm -hmm. um, so it's fascinating too, to view this in, in an intersectional way, which is what I just described. And it's really important to see it that way because a group of people that might fit an acronym is a, is a very diverse group of people, both in visible mm -hmm. and invisible ways. So we always have to make space for that and we need to account for it in our strategies. So what makes it difficult? There are a couple of things. Uh, first of all, a lack of role models who are out and who are, you know, I'll say senior. So when I, I study the organization and I, I study how change happens and, and who leads it. And uh, that is usually done, you know, change happens through partially someone stepping forward who has power and influence and visibility and platform and is very open about who they are and has the bravery to do that. And when they don't do that, it sends a message throughout organizations that um, leads to hiding and fear and suspicion that there will be penalties. Um, you know, my manager won't get it. So I stay in the closet or I just conveniently don't speak about my partner. Maybe people know about me, but I don't highlight it. I don't confirm it. I don't elaborate on it. Mm -hmm. So some of this stuff can be really our subtle way of testing the waters. And I think our fear, which is baked into who so many of us are, is, is it's not going to go well. I'm not going to be accepted. I'm not going to be celebrated. Um, and that fear, I think, holds us back too. And it's something we have to work on in ourselves. Because mm -hmm. I do think sometimes more and more these days as the world changes and people become more comfortable with all things LGBTQ and it's in our media and it's all, you know, it's all around us and there are more out executives. Mm -hmm. It is a safer time than it's ever been. But saying that, I have to also say that parts of the US, parts of the global economy and workplace are not mm -hmm. safe. And in fact, they're dangerous to be who we are. So if you work for a multinational, you've got to know that you may have degrees of comfort and safety in being who you are that mm. your colleagues around the world do not. And mm. um, so I think being mindful of, you know, that this hiding behavior, the safety that we need and that we're afraid we don't have um, where we work in the world. Um, and then our and then our colleagues, just common biases, common unconscious mm -hmm. bias, conscious biases. You know, when we say something around someone or, in, you know, who's in earshot of us and it's a microaggression that we've never really mm. been, you know, given feedback on, that mm. can have a very chilling effect on someone's journey towards disclosing who they are. So mm. really the, um, you know, how do you listen to organizations? So how do you pick mm -hmm. up on what's missing? How do you provide that? How do you talk about what's not been talked about in the past? Mm -hmm. You know, the, all of these things are the ingredients that go into cultures of openness, you know, but I think those circumstances have to be around the individual so that they really feel encouraged and safe. And if they leap, the net will appear. Yeah. I can see those challenges really, you know, as you're describing them, um, just in terms of uh, from clients of mine and business owners who have employees and what I've heard from people. But I have to say, um, you, you have a lot there. You mentioned microaggressions and unconscious bias. And while that's such a, uh, an, a topic that's gaining more and more attention among HR consultants and diversity inclusion experts, you know, this idea that, that discrimination or an unwelcome work environment is beyond just like the most, you know, egregious, uh, obvious um, hostility of someone, you know, using a hard racial slur or, you know, calling someone a, a terrible name or, um, you know, having a sign up, you know, that says, you know, if you're, you know, effing blank, don't bother applying to this job. Those are usually rare smoking gun scenarios. And there are a lot more equally, equally damaging microaggressions and I think implicit bias, you know, things that people say, repeating stereotypes or, or inappropriate jokes in the workplace, and right? I think I think you get to, know, to call that out for the damage it can do, and I think that if I hear you correctly, can reinforce the hiding uh, for the employee, and then when the employee's hiding and not out, their coworkers don't get to really maybe challenge their own internal bias biases because they're not seeing like oh you know the person I thought you know is uh, you know quote unquote typical forgive the phrase you know a lesbian or gay man or whatnot you know gay person 
um, is not what they may have thought some stereotypical, you know, image. Um, so I think, but you talked about having communication also and role models. And that's really key, I think, right? Having senior role models who are not afraid to come out themselves. That's like, how do we get them to feel safe enough to come out and be their own company? If, and, and where does that play into this, right? Like, you know, you gotta make sure the, the seniors are safe enough and then they set the stage for the junior people to come out. So I think all interesting points that you raised, you know? Yeah, I think the younger people are really leading the way. The younger generation and up and coming leaders or early in career talent is very comfortable talking about LGBTQ plus identities. Mm -hmm. And they're the generation that wants to be asked what their pronouns are and yeah. expects that we aren't going to not ask and that we're going to be comfortable. Like we're going to mm -hmm. understand why it's important and not just the, the you know, young people who identify as they with they, them pronouns either. It's mm -hmm. also all of the allies and, you mm -hmm. know, the other word for ally is accomplice. Um, co-conspirators, all of the folks in the younger generation who believe in inclusion and may not per se be the affected community. They may not be the affected identity. And yet the way that they advocate for greater inclusion, because it is the way they've grown up in the world they've grown up in, um, they, I think they have stronger allyship muscles um, and aren't afraid to flex those on behalf of or in solidarity with their uh their their coworkers or a culture that doesn't talk about things um they know mm -hmm. how to use their voice and so there's a lot of pressure eric happening um on behalf of that younger generation sort of pushing the workplace to be to truly walk the talk not just say hopefully yes to say the right things because some companies aren't even doing that but really mm -hmm. to you know walk that talk to really you know, mm -hmm. put their money where their mouth is to really live it and breathe it every day versus doing it once a year at Pride or what mm -hmm. we say is is performatively, right. um, you know, giving, you know, donating to certain causes, but then when nobody's looking, donating to anti-LGBTQ people and, mm -hmm. and causes and organizations. Mm -hmm. So the accountability right. is really changing and, the, and there's there's no ability to hide the transparency yeah. now because of social media and because this generation is so used to wielding social media to make things visible. Yes. There really isn't, um, you know, I tell leaders, we've got to look at this. You've got to mm -hmm. assume mm -hmm. that you are behind, that mm -hmm. there is, you know, bias everywhere in, you know, in all of your organizational processes because they mm -hmm. weren't built uh, with bias in, in, in mind, with anti-bias in mind, if you will. Right. So um, there's a lot of catch up work that we've got to do in order to provide welcoming and psychologically safe workplaces for the incoming generation to get them in and keep them, which is the idea, yes. the idea, and, and also to get the, the workforce we already have to keep mm -hmm. that workforce and grow all of that wonderful talent. But if our culture is not sort of, um, you know, retrofitted or adjusted or reinvented in some cases to, yeah. you know, accommodate that we're going to lose and going continue to lose. By the way, we lost millions mm -hmm. of women from the workforce a couple of years mm -hmm. ago in the middle of the pandemic. Sure. And think, think about that meant that the system failed and it was not yes. prepared and we, we rolled back the clock. So, and mm -hmm. now the clock is being rolled back again yeah, uh, this week. <laughs> We're so, also, you know, yeah. so, so employers have a lot of, of choices to make. I hope they make the right ones and they lean into all of this because it's really going to make the difference between relevance going forward or irrelevance. You know, Jennifer, I have a lot of faith and confidence optimism in the younger generation as well, which I'm no longer a member. I can't call myself a younger person per se, maybe youngish, but not so much. Um, being squarely in Generation X, which is my generation, um, and seeing how, you know, I guess Gen, Gen Z and, and younger millennials like, really think, have taken to social justice, as you mentioned, and causes, you know, of the social justice in the work in the workplace as well. Um, I, I agree. I think it's really important you know, to listen to them and to empower them and to follow their their you know, their um, leads, so to speak. And I think too often, you know, those in power um, tend to be an old an older generation, especially in corporate American companies. They've climbed the ladder they to be senior SGP or director. And sometimes when they're threatened, they want to just disqualify and discredit you know, that voice of the younger people, you know, write it off as just, you know, this so-called quote unquote woke, you know, or snowflake generation. And in fact, um, I see a more resilient, strong, organized group, you know, marching for their lives and just all kinds of great things that they're doing out there for the environment, for causes. So I hear you about um, harnessing their harnessing their talents and 
harnessing their leadership in the workplace. I also think it's key to talk about like, you know, some of the, the benefits to an employer of, of being more uh, equal and more affirming of, of everyone being more inclusive. Because, you know, when, when people are hiding or feeling uh, uh, excluded or, or, you know, say threatened or they're not safe, they're not out as who they are, it, I think that productivity suffers, morale suffers, right? I think, you know, more instances of more, I'd say, of depression or anxiety or perhaps um, uh, addictions or substance abuse disorder may take effect, right? And people can't be themselves. So, you know, that hurts the bottom line. I mean, I, I think there's a moral ethical obligation to do the right thing. But even let's say if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't care about that stuff. I don't care about what's morally right. I want to make the most money I can. I would argue to that person, that business owner, that, Okay, if you want to maximize your profits and keep, you know, employee retention to a high, then make sure that you're not alienating, you know, a large portion of your transgender, bisexual, gay, lesbian workforce. And as you mentioned, people of color, you know, this it's a big umbrella. It's not just like LGBTQ or right, you got women of color and that's, you know, disabled. Yeah. I mean, I would add, um, it's perfect, and I know we'll go on a break in a moment, but yes. what I tell employers is we've got to reflect the world that we do business in. And we mm, right now, we don't. You know, our creative mm -hmm. table, our product design, our marketing decisions don't reflect, especially as you move up and look at the top of organizations, perhaps like the mm -hmm. top third. Right. It doesn't look like the world. And those missed those missed opportunities, the the lack of um, understanding of lived experience, the representation of what people really want to see and how they want to be spoken to when they buy your product or engage with your organization. Um, those those mismatches really, really drag on the bottom line. And yeah. um, that's another imperative for um, how you know we how and why we need a workforce that looks like that diversifying world. It's so critical. And um, again, relevance, right? Um, we yeah. can't lose folks. It, um, we need them at the table, creating, generating ideas, checking our checking our intuition about like how to represent certain communities identity. And um, yeah, I think that's a really key business case. I think so too, Jennifer, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we're at our next commercial break, but when we come back, folks, we'll have more of Jennifer Brown and more of, uh, of the show. We, we're going to talk about how some companies recently have stepped up to provide inclusion and support for the LGBTQ and uh, minority workers, and how some companies have dropped the ball. And we'll talk about, you know, what to do in those respects. So stay tuned. We've got a great show tonight, uh, still going, going on on Tarkard NYC. I'm your host, Eric Sauber, and we will be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome. 
folks, welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney, so topics around employment and uh, the workplace are very near and dear to my heart. And here with me tonight, and I can see it's near to her heart as well, uh, is Miss Jennifer Brown. She identifies as she, her and hers. And Jennifer is the CEO and founder of Jennifer Brown Consulting. She is a diversity and inclusion, a DEI that is, um, a consultant and, and someone who helps with leadership. And I'm really glad that she's joining us this evening and the timing too you know the last uh tuesday of the month you know the end the talent of the of pride month and after the uh big parade the city this weekend so it's good to have you on and, and i think as i mentioned in the topic you know pride should be uh every month right and that's the whole thing about you mentioned earlier this idea that the company has to do more than lip service it can't just be like you know we're going to take our company logo and make it rainbow colored from june 1st to june 30th right and maybe we'll you know put out a few nice words or tweets and then we'll go back to say you know um working with partners other corporations who are not lgbtq friendly or ignoring you know uh, uh gender disparities in the workplace so i just think it's really great that we're having this conversation you know tonight on the, on the show oh me too me too thanks eric for having me sure sure thing jennifer you know uh, before I get to my next question, something that you said, it kind of reminded me of this like idea of you talking about the younger generation and how in your observations in the workplace, they seem to be much more say, vocal about the social justice and equality and about the LGBTQ uh, you know, workers being embraced and celebrated. You know, we're moving away from this archaic, um, really messed up language that I remember from the early 90s, you know, and even more so-called allies, you know, would use the phrase uh, tolerance, right? We have to tolerate you know, uh, getting those people, which, you know, as I said to you that when we spoke the other day, it always struck me as such a weird phrase because you tolerate like a canker sore until it goes away. You tolerate a cold, you know, you, you put up with it. Like, you know, like you, you deal with it, you, like, you know, you know, you accept, you kind of brace for it. You don't really welcome it. No one ever said, you know, I have three young children. I tolerate them quite well. You know, it's, um, <laughs> you're, you embrace them. You love them. You're proud of them. And so I think the language is changing. But when you talk about just one thing I'll say, the younger generation, you know, adapting uh, this sort of change. I've noticed that with the great resignation and work from home, you know, like it seems as if the world is changing and companies, and this is for the audience tonight listening to the audience. If you're a company, a business owner, an employer, and you're not um, changing with the times, it can be very dire. You know, you have to really listen to and read the writing on the wall about changes in um, just social justice and what your workers want and the power dynamic between you. Because I've seen companies that, you know, they're still insisting on a five-day in-office work week um, and they're losing good talent because that was great for decades. And I can understand wanting a, a collaborative hybrid, maybe two or three, three days a week, you know, two and a half, three days, whatever, because you want people to be somewhat together. But it's just one of those examples of how, uh, unless you really have to be there, people are starting to say, I don't want to commute, you know, two and a half, three hours around trip every day, five days of the week. I work mostly on a computer. So I just pointed out that, you know, I think there's a lot of room to listen to voices like yours and of young people and of people who want to see change, you know. Yeah, we really, we really do need to be, I think, guided and steered at this point because we don't know what we don't know. And I'm saying we, because I'm also Gen X, Eric. Oh, you are. <laughs> so, I, I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's very kind, but yeah, so yeah, we are, uh, we are the original disaffected generation. Um, yes, which, we were. You know, I, I love to reminisce about you know the '80s and all that, but mm. we, um, you know, we don't know what we don't know, and yet we have we hold leadership positions. We have the responsibility to, yeah. you know, re to be very very aware of the limitations of our lens, you know, our generational yeah. lens. Um, remember, you know, a lot of us grew up hearing, well, you're supposed to say and believe. I don't see color, for example. Mm. Or I don't care, you know, who you sleep with, you know, just don't bother me with it. Or, you know, why, yeah. what does that have to do with business, you know? Mm -hmm. And and what we've come to understand is that is that difference really wants to be seen and actually needs to right. be seen because the the playing field is still uneven. You know, it's not right. I, there's still so many of us laboring in workplaces where we aren't seen and heard, where there are additional obstacles because of bias. 
And every day we have to work doubly hard to kind of overcome those in addition right. to doing what we're being paid to do. Mm -hmm. And not to mention the diminishment that we might feel every single day, kind of hearing sort of offhand comments and jokes and we're not mm -hmm. hearing anything, hearing silence, you know, when mm -hmm. things are happening outside of the company and in our society, you know, those things, I call it death by a thousand cuts, you know, over mm -hmm. time, it really mm -hmm. adds up to feeling diminished. And um, when you don't feel anyone's advocating for you, you aren't sure if you have any allies, if you do, mm -hmm. they're private, you know, they don't follow up, they don't follow through, um, mm -hmm. you know, you don't feel like you're on the radar screen of anybody because you're, you fall outside of maybe who is traditionally promoted mm -hmm. and advanced, right? You fall outside of that in whatever way. Mm -hmm. um, so this is really, I think, breaks that relationship that we mm -hmm. want so much mm -hmm. to strengthen between employer and employee. Mm -hmm. and, and it's so avoidable, um, certainly, mm -hmm. but, but companies have to kind of go on a journey and figure it out. And, and really we need, by the way, we need to train managers on yes. inclusive language, inclusive leadership, and hold mm -hmm. people accountable from a performance perspective so that, Eric, mm -hmm. so that you don't get some, mm -hmm. you know, the mess dumped in your lap that happens as a result of somebody just cluelessly operating yes. in the way that they've always operated, but it's very tone deaf. And I, you mean, I, as an employment law attorney with the company's company, the lawsuit, exactly, letter, a demand letter, um, 100%. You know, this, that's a really good point about I don't the whole flawed basis of maybe a well-intentioned you know I, I don't see color you know I don't care if you're black white brown red purple all that stuff people say um, or oh, I don't care who you sleep with that kind of thing it's like because as you mentioned you know people are different you're I, I've heard people say if, uh, if you don't see color then you don't see me right because you know like say I'm you know a black woman or you know black man and and like you don't often see also just the even the way that a cultural difference might impact the way someone is, uh, say, you know, speaks, interacts, or is how you interpret what they're saying. And I think, like, you know, not seeing, say, you know, color or, or gender or sexual orientation, um, it actually almost has that effect of muting the person and who they are. And as you last pointed out, it's not a level playing field. And it's and the idea that it has, I think, is kind of a naive, you know, um, belief that, oh, well, we're all, you know, we're all equal now because the legislation was passed in 1964. And speaking of which, we'll get to Roe v. Wade in a moment. But right. um, I think, you know, if someone said, I don't care, you know, if you have, you know, um, let's say if you have blue eyes, green eyes, or gray eyes, or brown eyes, typically it's not a, a way to discriminate against people, the eye color. And so, but no one says that because, you know, the truth is it's a non-issue. But when it comes to gender and race, Absolutely, I think language is important. And you talked about, you know, training companies. Maybe a good segue into my next question about, you know, let's talk about the companies out there and corporate responsibility. Um, the question I have is, um, what some companies, right, recently, or how some companies recently stepped up to provide inclusion and support for the LGBTQ employees and workers, and how some companies maybe dropped the ball in this regard? Mm. Yes, I mean. So there's a lot of social issues swirling around right now, right? As yeah. we sit here. And, uh, and I, I think that um, the best and most inclusive companies are, they're keeping a careful eye on the external environment mm -hmm. and, and paying attention to what is important and critical and life-saving for right. different um, identities in their workforce. You know, so they're not ignoring it or treating everybody the same. Like the point where you were just making is the old like meritocracy argument. It's sort yeah. of like, oh, the best will rise to the top and we just need mm -hmm. to treat everybody equally. Well, that right. would work if we're all equipped similarly to succeed. Yes. And if we're not facing, you know, unconscious bias and conscious bias, honestly, every day. Sure. Um, so, but companies that are paying attention to, for example, if anything ever happens to something like gay marriage, you know, which has been codified in the, you know, in our law. However, we've seen recently that some surprising decisions were, are made that actually dismantle protections. Um, you know, progressive companies might think ahead of and, and, and begin to prepare for that mm -hmm. to, to educate mm -hmm. their employees about legal protections or begin mm -hmm. to think about different benefits that can be offered or how they're going to counsel their employees to just mm -hmm. just feel protected and to be protected in the world um right. you know and I, I think it's an interesting moment because as perhaps political and legal protections fall away mm -hmm. what what are employers going to take on 
and make yes. sure that at least within their purview, they are stepping forward and providing monetary support. Their training uh, leaders and and HR knows exactly how to you know guide the company through this shifted landscape, mm-hmm. so that you know folks feel you know, feel that the company has their back. I think at the end of the day, that's the feeling that everybody wants to have. Like you, you know, what's important to me, you're Mm -hmm. advocating and and for me and you're ensuring that I'm, I am, um, have fair access to all of the benefits I need. And Mm -hmm. this is not an afterthought. Um, And that you'll stand by those things and you'll, you'll be in the arena. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I think employers have to really kind of dig deep and say, okay, so Um, are we walking the talk? Where are we doing one thing and then doing another behind the scenes? Because that will eventually be exposed. Um, What are our leaders doing individually on their own personal dime, which I think is an interesting and and fraught. I've seen, you know, I've seen things come to light and leaders Mm -hmm. be removed. So, so anyway, there's great peril, I think here on many levels. And, and the only answer is the right one, which is, protect your employees. Think about what's going on in their mm-hmm. life. Think about what they're afraid of, thinking about where they're exposed. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not just saying legally, but I'm also saying right. look at your internal culture and say, what is the experience of belonging here? Like who, yeah. who feels they can, they can thrive. Um, it's an equitable system that they are mm-hmm. supported or not. And all you need to do is do an engagement survey and, and cut the mm-hmm. data usually by identity and all that stuff will show up. And you'll right. be, you might be shocked and say, wow, we have a lot of work to do, which is most of the time what happens. Yes. Um, but please, you know, gather information from your workforce around these things and, and be right. relentlessly investigating and then, and then addressing as much as you possibly can communicate about what you're doing mm. and really know that in doing this, you are literally updating your operating system in your company. Yeah. I mean, you've got to do it. And most of us are really behind. Yeah, Jen, that's really, you know, it's so true. I think, I mean, it, it kind of addresses the other question I have for you, which you addressed very eloquently, I think, just now. Um, this idea, you know, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and all these potential rolling back, possibly of gay marriage, listen to Clarence Thomas speak these days, horrible things that are happening. We have, it comes, the question becomes, like, what role is the employer, the company, what kind of the social responsibility, what kind of, say, responsibility to their employees, you know, if they want to keep people feeling included, and welcomed and safe to come out and be themselves, their authentic selves, you can then be happy and productive and, and they feel better and the company does better, it's a win-win. Um, there are so many ways to do that. And like you said, it's not just about legal issues. I mean, certainly legal employment law issues come up to the forefront. For example, you say if you're a company that gave uh, marriage benefit rights to, let's say, you know, domestic partners, or let's say just to married folks, right? And then people cannot get married anymore if gosh, but that happens, I hope not, right? In, in a gay marriage. Right. Then, you know, do you provide same-sex union benefits that you would to uh, a married heterosexual couple of employees? Even if the law says you don't have to in certain states, how do you as a company rise above that? You know, I'm reading about companies that are paying for their employees you know, to get travel expenses to get an abortion in a safe state. And to me, that shows a signal to women that, you know, hey, right, we respect you. We are trying to look out for you in, in light of what's happening. At least that's one interpretation for some companies that they're doing that. Hopefully, not just for the publicity and the good PR. Right. Um, although I do believe you can do things for good press and good motivation at, at the same time, right? Not yeah, necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you should um, and you should brag about what you have that sure. you're offering because it's a sure. it's a differentiator. And actually, it maybe maybe inspires your competition to say, hey, you know what? You know, like if, if Starbucks is like doing this, maybe you know we you know, beats coffee, whatever the other chain might be, should do it as well. Um, I think that the preparation you mentioned, and this is great to have these concrete, you know, can we talk about the, the sort of the lofty, the ideals of what we're aspiring for, but how do we get there? We get there through, and you mentioned like gathering informational surveys and, and communication with employees and education about like, what the issues are. I think that education should go both ways. I think leaders should encourage their employees to educate them, right? Mm-hmm. What are some issues? Why are pronouns important? You know, I've heard people of, of different generations say, you know, I don't understand the pronoun thing, right? You know, you know, in my generation, it's just she and him, uh, you know, he and her, she and it's, 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 there's no they, you can't be both. And it's like, you know, people that, oh, well, I think biologically you're, you're one or the other. And that's my generation, the way we think of things. And, you know, Generationally speaking, people had certain language for African-American people in the 50s that was acceptable terms that are now 
quite insulting. And the whole idea of like, well, we do this in my day is not really, it doesn't cut it, you know, it doesn't cut it with your employees and with your, and frankly, with your, um, your customers and clients, you know, look at some of those tone deaf commercials that come out or even tone deaf decisions like Disney or Netflix, you know, the way they reacted to certain issues involving transgender and gay employees. Um, you know, Florida, the whole uh, Disney issue with Don't Say Gay Bill. And so I just think it's interesting that, you know, you're talking about this issue and reminding employers to be educated and be mindful of what their employees need to thrive and function. Absolutely. I, 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 I 100% on everything you just said and, hmm. you know, get with the, get with the program and, and do a lot of listening and a lot of um, let, let a community tell you what progressive policies look like, like what does enough look like? And I would say not just enough, but what beats the average, what beats the required mm. the compliance, right? That's a baseline. But I think yeah. differentiating yourself in the minds of cli- of talent, and mm-hmm. you just brought up clients and customers, by the way, are also watching all of this. So yes. great transparency means that everybody is looking to spend their dollar in a way that they're proud of and that that matters. And that's, that's mm-hmm. not going away. So that accountability is coming from all sides. Um, and, uh, and it's not about what we think is right in our generation, honestly, Mm because we're just, we're going to miss a lot of things and we, and we're not going to have the lived experience of a lot of other communities. So the really important point of allyship is it's, 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 it's done in service of, but determined by Mm. others who you want to be in solidarity with. And that's why that listening piece and the consulting piece is so important to say, what does equity in the workplace look like? Where are you not experiencing it? Um, What is your daily experience here? What do you hear? What do you see? What do you not know, you know, wish you saw and heard? Um, you know, those sort of, mm-hmm. that kind of data is gold in terms of, of pointing out the spots that you will not perceive are missing because you just mm-hmm. won't generationally, you won't mm-hmm. identity wise, you won't, um, yes. unless you're just a very, very practiced ally. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of us are still learning. <laughs> so uh, absolutely. Jen. I think that was a great, really great point there and great for people to sit with and process while we take our final commercial break. Um, when we come back, I'm talking with Jennifer about a couple of her different books and her uh, initiatives, as well as her company. So stay tuned to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber, Employment Law Attorney, here with Jennifer Brown on Talk Radio NYC. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Today, I'm your host, Eric Sauber, here tonight with our guest, Jennifer Brown of Jennifer Brown Consulting. And we're just having this really great conversation, I think, about LGBTQ protection in the workplace, about diversity and inclusion, and also a reminder that diversity is more than just 
based on one particular group versus another, that there are layers with, and subsets within each group that are people of color, um, of different religions, different nationalities and races. And so really great to have Jennifer on the show with us tonight. Jennifer, glad you could be here in this great conversation we're having. This has been great. Thanks for having me, Eric. Sure. I know we talked about corporate responsibility and about employers and leadership. What I'm wondering is if you can tell us about your new book. Like, how do you lay out a roadmap for more inclusive leadership and improve diversity in the workplace? And also, what are some key takeaways from your book that the audience can learn about? Yeah, thank you. I, you know, I've, I've kind of landed these days on thinking about our individual journey of learning about inclusive leadership, you know, so we, we do a lot of organizational consulting, of course, to build strategies for companies and get a lot of people trained and educated. But at the end of the day, what we're really needing, I think, to go, get where we need to go is the individual commitment that we can make, especially those of us who've never really kind of clicked into what diversity means to us, like especially those of us who may walk around the world and not really be impacted by the color of our skin or the way that we express our gender and identify um, or, you know, who we ex express affection to. Um, we, you know, there, there's an opportunity, I think, for some of us who's, who've been sitting on the sidelines to really step in and begin to take the steps. And, and I wanted to write the books I write and the model in How to Be an Inclusive Leader, which is the book that I think we want to highlight is yeah. is where am i in my journey am i in my unaware phase which is phase one which is i don't know there's a problem i don't think this has to do with me mm -hmm. somebody else is going to figure it out um mm -hmm. i i'm not diverse <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of never true if we de define it as i define it which is much more broadly um uh -huh. we want to come out of that unawareness into awareness which is phase two and this is the model in the book where it's okay now i know what i don't know now i know i need to learn i need to get exposure i need to surround myself with different information i need to you know dive mm -hmm. into you know let's use lgbtq experience you know what what is true about this community and mm -hmm. where do they experience mm -hmm. biases and microaggressions and where are their gaps mm -hmm. in their economic outcomes um what's their buying power which by the way as a community is like the trillions of dollars so it's a really oh, sure. important customer base right. but that really struggles with uh basic safety um you mm -hmm. know certainly around the world so yeah. uh so coming into awareness um is key but then the third phase of the model is active which is implies that i take that awareness and i take action you know i start yes. to use my voice i start to broach topics. I, I begin to maybe share my pronouns, for example, as a signal that, hey, I'm somebody on my ally journey, for example. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a cisgender, I, Jennifer, I'm a cisgender woman. My pronouns are she, her, hers, which means that, you know, my sense of my gender matches the gender of the body I was born in. So yes. that means I'm cisgender. Right. And cisgender. it comes with certain privileges, which is mm -hmm. I can share my pronouns and there's no drama about it because mm. my pronouns uh, communicate to people that, that I identify as female and I happen to look female in the normative sense. Right. And I, you know, that's a whole other interview, but <laughs> because that's right. a bias too. So, uh, but for me to share my pronouns, um, is, is an action I can take. It signals mm -hmm. that I'm somebody who cares about this and that I'm, I'm, I'm doing my homework and mm -hmm. I'm not assuming that everybody around me identifies as a uh, cisgender like me. And that's right. why I'm offering my pronouns. So if we, we could do this, just one example of an action. And yeah. then um, and then if I'm really, really practiced, my model ends with the advocate phase, which is phase four, mm -hmm. which is sort of that um, that squeaky wheel, that um, super confident, very knowledgeable mm -hmm. person who, um, you know, is kind of constantly pushing against, against, against systems to change them, right, to make them more inclusive. And, and sometimes you'll meet someone who's just tireless, who's relentless, who's knows how to wield uh, mm -hmm. their, their knowledge, their persuasive, their storytellers, their, you know, they hold each other accountable and hold themselves accountable. You know, so I know some executives like this, and mm -hmm. it's really powerful to witness mm -hmm. somebody stepping up and even when they don't share and carry a certain identity, they are in there swinging about yeah unconscious bias about the need for greater representation about the need to respond to things that are going on so you know so there's there's some of us who are pretty advanced but we're not always advanced about all things you know i think yeah. we're all learning about certain identities and we're all kind of beginners at the same time as we may have some more skill and muscle developed you know about certain identities and not others and that's okay 
we're right. all and, on a journey. Yes, and Jennifer, I'm so sorry we have about a minute and 20 seconds left. Mm. It's just a great show. I want to thank you for being here. I want to ask you, how do people get in touch with you? The floor is yours, a telephone or a website, and then I'll take us yeah. out. But thank you. Thanks so much. You? Yeah. You know, there's never enough time to talk about all these things, but I hope I've, no, I've, wet, I've wet the audience's appetite to learn more. Um, the books I've written are Inclusion, How to Be an Inclusive Leader, and Beyond Diversity. So you can look me up on Amazon on my author page, Jennifer Brown, and you'll mm -hmm. see all these books. And my second edition of How to Be an Inclusive Leader is out in October. So please pre-order that. You'll see it up on Amazon. If, if you don't, it will be there soon. And then um, our websites are Jennifer Brown Consulting, which is the consulting work we do. And then mm -hmm. Jennifer Brown Speaks, if you're interested in having me come in and speak. Uh, or more about the books and the podcast, which is the will to change. Thank you for mm -hmm. reminding me about that. Sure. Um, and then in all the socials, I'm at Jennifer Brown on Twitter, at Jennifer Brown, Jennifer Brown speaks on Instagram, on mm -hmm. LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever. So we're pretty ubiquitous. Um, I would invite everyone to just join our community, get on our mm -hmm. mailing list, attend our webinars. They're so informational. They're so, they're welcoming spaces. You can come as you are with, you know, with or without the, you know, the quote unquote yeah. right knowledge. And we will have you, we will welcome you into the conversation always. So, you know, please feel that you can uh, reach out to us. I wish we had more time, but Jennifer, I think you covered it all perfectly. A great way to encapsulate the ending there. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in for uh, Employment Law Today, Tuesday nights at 5 p.m. on Talk Radio NYC. I'm your host, Derek Sauer. Jennifer Brown, a pleasure having you on the show. Thank I you. wish you a wonderful night, a great week, and we'll be back next Tuesday. So everyone have a great week, and um, thank you once again. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.